freight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 85, we're joined by Scott Perry. He's a longtime industry executive and friend of mine and actually a former NACFI board chairman, where we talk about NACFI's adolescent years, the role of NACFI in the trucking industry, and his long career in trucking. He also shares some insights into the household goods industry and about run on less and what it means to the industry. Today we have joining us Scott Perry. Scott's an old time friend and he's an industry executive who has uh, split his career at a number of places, um, including Suddeth and Rider System. Uh, and actually he was a big resource for NACPI as he was our board chairman for a while. So um, Scott, I'm thrilled to have you on today and, and thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Mike. It's great to be here with you. We go way back. Uh, and uh, we worked very closely uh, from time to time over the years. This is going to be a lot of fun here for the next uh, half hour or so. Uh, welcome to my podcast. And um, I don't know if you uh, know it, but um, uh, it's called uh, NACFI's Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. And uh, you've been friends a long time. Do you remember how we met and um, and became friends, Scott? Do you remember like the, the origin you know, Mike, I was thinking back in, in planning for our discussion this morning and begin reflecting on exactly when did we first cross paths. And so I, I either have it nailed down to maybe back during your time at Navistar, if you were ever part of the, the Max Force product launch and planning to put that engine on the road, we may have crossed <laughs> paths then. But I think officially and really got to know each other is whenever you were already starting your work with uh, with NACFI and uh, we crossed paths through I think an introduction from the uh, the Frito-Lay guys whenever we were doing some reliability testing and um, started talking about how potentially we could pool resources and and think about doing it very differently and you were doing some unique work out there and uh, yeah. they introduced me to you and, and things really took off from there. Yeah, yeah. So I remember um, at my time at, at Navistar, I had reliability and quality for a while. I had um, um, some various different things. And I always really remember respecting Ryder and calling, gosh, the guys back in the day, Jerry and some others. Uh, you know, Art, anytime Art I, Jerry. yeah, anytime I had questions around, you know, components or, um, you know, out of warranty, you know, experience. I always just remember such a great resource you guys always were. But I do think the first time you and I met was after we after we started NACFI. And, uh, you know, those were those were days. Well, that was in 2010. Um, so we may have met in 11 or something. Uh, and, you know, that was when we were first starting to deal with high fuel prices. I mean, you, you know, Scott, it's only 12 years ago that fuel went over a dollar and a half. And now it just seems like it's been forever since it's been $4. I mean, does that feel that way with you? Uh, it does. You know, it, it, it's amazing how much it's changed and uh, how much that expense has grown and the focus on fuel economy and just the technology that's on board the vehicles today with all the emissions regulations and the amount of change that the industry has gone through and continues to go through. So, uh, the one thing that I tell people about this industry is, you know, no two days are the same and there, there's never a dull moment. And, and this definitely is evidence of that. Yeah. And we find a way to work through things. You know, you, you brought up a number of, of big events uh, over the last 10 or 15 years, but it's like, we, we have this uh, thing that we think we can't almost unsurmountable thing, right. With like um, 
you know, knocks of particulate matter from 10 or 15, 20 years ago. And, and now electrification and other things. And it looks really hard when you first think about it. And then, you know, it's tough going through it, but then we kind of, it just becomes business and then you move on to the next, to the next big one. So I think that's part of why I like the industry, you know, we're, we're proud, but we get things done and then move on. Now you're right. And hopefully we learn from, uh, from those changes in the industry and are able to apply that information as we go forward and think about new technologies at the same time. Yeah. So we worked really closely together as NACV board chairman from, you know, like 2013 to 2017. I went, I went back and looked. So those were like NACV's um, adolescent years, maybe we'll call them. <laughs> we're, clear, <laughs> we're clearly not very far along, but what, what do you recall specifically about working with NACV and, and finding, you know, kind of helping us find our way as a, you know, we were a startup nonprofit, just an idea out of a workshop. So what do you recall about those, what, about those days? I think you're right. It, it came out of a charrette, right? Where it was a recommendation around forming something of this nature and that's how it got its origin. And, you know, then you started, I think, promoting what it could mean for the industry. And, and it was probably the the ideal time because there were some of the forward thinking fleets that were out there trying to tackle some big problems and there were changes all around us with you know demands from customers around you know better performing and, and better reliable or higher reliability uh, vehicles and thinking about the technological changes that were going on you, you referenced something you know everybody thought the world was coming to an end whenever it was epa 07 and then epa 10 and ghg 13 and ghg 15 and the iterations of the regulations that were um what felt like were, were being thrust upon the industry but uh definitely uh, an area of opportunity with the oems and the fleets uh, and the, the regulatory agencies. And uh, it was really interesting to see uh, the opportunity that was there for fleets to collaborate, for OEMs to collaborate with fleets, and for someone to really be in the middle to provide an unbiased opinion. And I think that's what NACP was trying to create, was being that neutral third party who could assess data, who could assess real world applications, and could provide evidence to fleets, to OEMs, to the regulatory agencies of what worked and, you know, what may not work and what the implications were for the operators. So yeah, yeah. it was really a, really kind of a, a, a perfect time for um, the existence of NACV. Yeah. And, you know, back then we had some, uh, you know, startup companies, um, you know, start to bring some ideas. I remember, you know, and you mentioned our friends at Pepsi and Frito-Lay when they deployed all those Smith electric trucks and, and, you know, that was a foretaste of what was to come. I mean, with now, you know, Tesla, Nikola, and, you know, in the smaller vans and step vans, I mean, Scott, we counted like 25 companies that are claiming to have built at least a prototype of a delivery van, or step van um, with electricity, and you know, I think the the battery electric truck is is a simpler powertrain. So a lot of people think they can plug and play and build a truck uh, or a van. And um, so not only did we have the the, the challenges of NACFI, but then um, I guess what I didn't see coming was all of this entrepreneurialism and investment that's now here and uh, causing our work, I think, to even become more important. 
You're right. And, and that was quite a debate, you know, early on in, in NACB's existence was uh, a really big debate for the board and for the various partners around, <clears throat> you know, are we only going to test the true commercially viable, commercially available that any fleet go, could go out and obtain? So it was very much a, a democratic approach to if we're going to do a research study or a confidence report, it's going to be on something that, you know, anyone could go out there and take advantage of and bridging to emerging technologies, uh, that was quite a discussion for the organization at the time. If I, I don't know if you recollect it the way that I do, but it was really a turning point, I think, of making that transition to maybe taking a, uh, a position somewhat on the efficacy of emerging fleets and emerging technologies and what some of the challenges are, because you're right, you know, there were so many people jumping into the game and wanting to make a name for themselves and claiming they could build a class, whatever, four, five, six, eight um, vehicle that was commercially viable because, you know, let's, let's be real here. The, those assets are tools that are used by real companies servicing real customers who are trying to generate real revenue that they hope is going to fall through to the bottom line to generate some real profit so that they have a sustainable business model. And, uh, once you make that investment in infrastructure or the vehicle, that's a decision you're stuck with for the life of that asset, which may be five, six, seven years. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's really something you've got to be committed to. Yeah, and it's it's really got to work. So um, that's that's very very interesting. Um, hey, we uh, this this the audience. I mean, we're kind of sitting here having a having a coffee chatting, but a lot of people might listen to this guy. Um, and it's a wide it's a wide audience out there that um, you know in a, in a growing uh, industry, more people, more diversity. It, it's been uh, really exciting to see what's going on with trucking and freight. Um, so what could you walk through your career? I mean, what got you through all those and and look, tell us about maybe two or three um, specific jobs over your career that that was really impactful for um, for uh, for you over what you've been doing. Sure. You know, it's been I, I've had the luxury and the blessing of seeing the industry from multiple different vantage points and you know, starting out as a as a dock warehouse employee back in my college years and working my way through the ranks in, in uh, Ryder, as you mentioned earlier, um, as an operator on the front lines in their logistics and supply chain management organization, and then over within their uh, asset management service and maintenance ranks, uh, and then in a corporate role for them, leading their supplier relationship management function and their emerging technology programs. So uh, it really was a blessing to see the business uh, and the industry from so many different vantage points and working with so many different customers and helping them find solutions. So that really did, you know, energize me greatly. Um, the, the chief technology officer role that uh, I took on is probably one of the, the most impactful in that uh, it did give uh, me the opportunity to work with some of those uh, emerging technologies and trying to understand and work with real world fleets that were customers at the time in bridging that gap and in, in knowledge and understanding and applicability and, and what impact it may have on uh, the regulatory environment as well and how it may uh, be a fit for some of those customers at the right time in, in their evolution of their business or, or service delivery model or being able to advise them, hey, maybe this isn't the right time for you. There's a, there's a few more 
problems that need to be solved or the technology needs to be re refined a little bit further or your duty cycle just isn't a fit here and you're not going to be happy with the performance. So uh, that was probably the uh, uh, one of the best roles that I had across my career in uh, being able to work so broadly with manufacturers, with regulatory agencies, with... You know what? Yeah, something I want to bring up. You said right there that I think is really important, and that is, you know, you've got the technology match to, you know, the duty cycle, how the trucks and how the trucks are moving to freight and, and that piece. And then you brought up another thing about is it time for you as a customer or as a, as a fleet or an end user? Um, you know, some some leadership and some fleets are more risk averse than others. Some, um, you know, now we've got ESG and sustainability. So some customers want fleets to lean in or carriers to lean in earlier on some of this. So I, I think you're right. I think it's like a matrix thing of does the technology fit for your, your, I mean, we always use the word duty cycle. I think I'll just keep with that. Does the, does the technology fit with your duty cycle? And then is it time for you to do it? Um, because, you know, this, these things will mature. Costs will come down, reliability will improve. Um, but, you know, if your customers are, are, are uh, asking for this, you can't wait for some of that. Um, does that. Does that make sense, both a suitability and a timing? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's a, it's a key component of making sure that you have the right relationships that are out there. Uh, trust me, you know, the, the pioneers are the ones that are on the front lines that, you know, get all of the, uh, the shots across the bow or the arrows, as they would say. So uh, it's definitely... Uh, a decision that can't be entered into lightly. You really have to take into account uh, all of those various elements of uh, reliability. And you know, if there are issues with a technology that needs to be taken out of service to work with the manufacturer to resolve an issue, well, what's your backup plan for keeping your business running? And how much redundancy can you afford in your operation and infrastructure? I mean, gosh, you've done so much work uh, in the past couple of years around infrastructure and, you know, whether it's legacy fuels, which are coming under even more scrutiny for infrastructure development and emerging technologies uh, in the nascent industries that um, there are significant hurdles around developing and deploying that infrastructure at scale, um, not from a commercial production of the charging infrastructure, but everything that has to go into place behind the scenes to, to even power or energize a site. Uh, so, um, those are all things that have got to be taken into consideration and really fully yeah. understood. Cause you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, the life cycle of these assets are, it, you know, it's not a, it's not a 90 day turnaround and decision. This is something you are married to for five, six, seven, 10 years. Once you make that commitment. Yeah. Yeah. We just did some work on rail and I, you know, a, a locomotive is a 50 year life. So trucks less, but it still is a, is a long, you know, 10 years, long time to, to deal with these decisions. So I sort of interrupted you. You want to you talk a little bit about Suddath and kind of where you're at, uh, how you're thinking about your career now. And um, maybe that'll be some advice for some others out there listening. Sure. No, listen, it, it's, uh, I've always been an operator at heart. So, you know, coming into a role where I was leading, a large, diverse business segment and uh, working with the frontline teams and uh, warehousemen and contract logistics operations uh, was really energizing for me. And I got to see so many different segments, you know, being behind the scenes at Ryder on the asset side, 
was very enriching. Don't don't get me wrong by any means. You know, transitioning over into um, a smaller organization with responsibility to make decisions around products and services and just really being immersed in the day-to-day business. And I got to see um, some of their portfolio and, you know, be up front and close with it as, uh, you know, they, they play in a space where you have multiple different product offerings, one being the household goods industry, which going in, most people that listen to this probably don't play a role in the household goods industry. And I've got to tell you, it's probably one of the most challenging and sophisticated. And if you think about household goods, the, the delivery could be any residence anywhere in, let's just say North America and planning for that and managing of that flow of goods and just the logistics behind it. And those van operators and drivers that operate in that world are probably the last bastion of true long haul truck drivers. I I love the freight uh, industry. Don't get me wrong by any means. And I think there's a ton of, uh, of value and a ton of challenges that those drivers face, but so many of those freight networks have now transitioned to where it's either daily dispatch out and back, uh, more short haul terminal to terminal, or if it's long haul, you know, it's out and back over a series of three to five days, but drivers that live in their truck for 300 days per year, there's not very many industries where you see that anymore. And that also goods industry has that, the van operators that, that live in that world, especially whenever there's significant demand during COVID. I mean, they were literally out there on the road, living in their trucks. Now, some of these guys have fantastic condo sleepers that would rival most apartments, but uh, being away from family and being on the road and dealing with all the challenges that come with the customers that you're providing service to, you know, was really a great look into uh, a segment of the industry that most people never had the opportunity to work with. So I got to spend, you know, several years uh, supporting that business. They also, you know, we're very acquisitive and, and I got to work on some M&A projects and to integrate an acquisition that included a, a, a final mile delivery logistics business specifically for home delivery. And uh, that was very dynamic and tons of opportunities there, especially as you think about, you know, some of the technology that's emerging that you've referenced in the uh, local delivery applications for straight trucks, that industry is ripe for utilizing that technology. Now the reliability has got to be there. Uh, yep. It's definitely a duty cycle that um, has a high stop ratio, but most of it's urban delivery and the miles uh, are not such a huge obstacle to overcome, but uh, learned a significant amount from that segment and, you know, delivering big and bulky uh, appliances and furniture and mattresses and things of that nature. So, Getting that exposure to those business segments or those industry segments, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I came from a blue collar family, uh, technicians, mechanics, truck drivers. I mean, they're just they're, they're family, and yeah. being, able work, being able to work with them um, and partner with them and our warehouse operators and forklift drivers and things of that nature is just it's a it's an awesome industry to work with them. Yeah, it really is. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's exciting to help it through, you know, you and I are later in our careers, not done by any stretch of the imagination, but later it's, it's interesting. We've been a, through a couple of these, you know, let's call it transformations. I've been, I've been trying to avoid that term. Like I've been thinking, well, okay, this is just like you know, ongoing business, but these are some big changes with data and with electric and hydrogen and self-driving trucks and so forth and so on. Um, 
Yeah, Scott, we this time always flies, but I, I, I and and with you and your work at NACFI, it's just fun for me to uh, to ask you one more NACFI question, um, and that is about run on less. So. Uh, you were still board chairman when we did our first run, and um, you know I know the I remember when the idea of us doing something you know big to celebrate the best of the best uh, that we were seeing out in the real world. We did run on less in 2017, and I don't know if you saw that run on less electric depot here in 2023 had a moment at the White House. Actually, longer than a moment. We were there for five hours with a lot of uh, you know high level people. Uh, president and vice president didn't show up, but we had Ali Zaidi, the uh, um, you know climate head, reporting directly to President Biden was with us for most of the time, and then a lot of of high level people from from White House affiliated organizations as well as some others in the room. So for me, that was kind of like wow, you know, we this little idea we had five or six years ago, you know, has made it all the way there. Um, one, did you see that? And uh, you know, what's what what's the run mean to the industry and to even the broader industry of maybe like finance or other other areas that are out there helping to support us. Um, what's your thought on run on less? Well, I did see that. And, you know, thinking about where that effort started back in 2017 and the decisions that were made around, you know, what that could mean to the industry uh, from a demonstration standpoint and real world application. And, and you hit on it. I think the, the data that was collected. I mean, the way that you and the team engineered that to make sure that it was a data-based report, that it took into account a lot of different variables and then provided uh, opinions or confidence reports around those, those various variables that could impact um, the outcome of those, um, those trials, you know, to use the lack of a better word. But uh, starting in, in 2017 and then emerging to where you are now with uh, the, the depot report and infrastructure and, you know, who would have thought about infrastructure being part of the, the run on less solution, but it is so critical. And then to be able to uh, convene a meeting and to provide insights and to speak as uh, industry experts, and, and that's what you are, my friend. Is, uh, is an expert and a trusted, uh, a trusted expert at that. I think it's probably the most important piece of this is the confidence that fleets have and um, the, those that are making policies and those that are making financial decisions around those commitments, they need to have information that they can trust. And uh, over the course of the past uh, 10, 12 years, NACB has built that position in the industry and, uh, you know, appreciate everything that, that you've done in leading that. I mean, having a podcast and writing articles and generating these reports, uh, those are just a small piece of the equation. The work you do behind the scenes in partnering with fleets and helping them answer some of these tough questions and do it in such a manner that is uh, trusted and respected uh, you've really, you've really come a long way, and NACB's come a long way, and uh, I think the industry needs to really recognize that and lean into that. So, to be able to host an event of that nature and participate and have that audience and give them that unfiltered feedback and visibility into uh, our industry without an agenda other than to help—that's uh, amazing. <laughs> 
Congratulations. Yeah, well, hey, thank you very much. Yeah, sort of felt that way a little bit when I left the hotel room that morning. I'm like, you know, this is this is and walked over. It was a beautiful fall day in D.C. I mean, it was like a perfect day. And, um, you know, walking in with UPS and Pepsi and Penske and the others, um, it, it did feel that way. But uh, thank you for those kind words. Hey, we're about ready to wrap up. Um, at risk of regretting this, is there anything you brought to this this request? Is there anything you brought to this podcast that, you know, any story you wanted to tell about us or uh, that we haven't got into yet that uh, uh, we could conclude uh, this uh, this podcast on? Uh, no, I've learned over my career that that roast moments are uh, something that should be avoided. Uh, I've enjoyed our I've enjoyed our friendship. I've enjoyed uh, working together over the years, and appreciate greatly you reaching out and us being able to reflect a little bit on our our journey together. And I hope there's an opportunity in the future for us to uh, to continue that. Why, well, Scott? You've brought a lot to this industry in the time I've known you, and, and I know before that. And I I do think you said something that is really important. And that is that, you know, a lot of people can make a career out of trucking and freight. We, um, you know, it's all around us, you know, it's, uh, you know, most everything has been brought to us by a truck. Um, but we don't sort of recognize it sometimes, but, you know, a lot of the industry started as truck drivers, started as mechanics, started as, um, you know, you know, folks around the industry. And then, you know, maybe they go to school and trades, or maybe they go to, you know, um, you know, college and, and find their way into logistics or freight or trucking. And it's a great industry. And I think you and I kind of have uh, touched on that today. And and uh, I'd encourage anybody to, to keep at it because it's um, it's fun to work with this trucking industry and, and uh, quite valuable as well. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Mike. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. 